All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome to the I'm Community good. Christian Weekly he Podcast. Talking yeah, I was talking, talking to, to them. them. <laughs> sort of, I don't know. You don't know, they, they can't answer. I did answer. Yeah. Thanks for answering. Well, yeah, that's great. I'm doing all right. I, I am You're good, Nick? I'm all right. You're good? I'm all right. I'm all doing right. all right. Jason was counting with his fingers before y'all got up here. I was doing the countdown. <laughs> I know. That's how we do it. But I know. They don't see that. They don't see that, but... It just made what, you laugh. Didn't so you far, great content for our <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> all right. Uh, We're glad you're joining with us, and I hope that things get better from here on out. Yes. So, We're going to do a lot of visual jokes for those of you that are listening, and <laughs> no, hope you can no, understand what those are. No, we're not. All right, so I hope you're subscribed on your podcast app or on uh, YouTube and that you are uh, um, getting notifications. And do we got a stuff. request to be on Stitcher. I was We're just close. about to say that. We're close. We're not there yet. We're not on Stitcher yet? I went and checked yesterday. I guess we can check today, but they have not approved us yet. Ah. Once we no, get those we sponsorships coming we're in. Not, yeah. We're not approvable. Stitcher has not yet approved us to be visible. And they've, they've given us a spot. But okay. we can't be visible yet. That sounds, that is like <laughs> the motto for our church. We're out there, but people don't really want to have to see us. Exactly. We yeah. Sort of, yeah, okay. So for those of you who don't know what Stitcher is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't need it. If you, it's That's another right. podcast. It is. Now. It is. Right. Someone said it's my favorite, and I thought, well, let's go see how hard it is. And I thought it was really easy, but then they approved mm -hmm. me, but not visibly approved me. Uh, Once again, <laughs> the story of your life. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys are, uh, keep... Well, of course, listen, but also keep sending us questions. Cause we got we got Absolutely. more questions today than we can handle. Oh, that's you can good, believe that or not. That's so uh, we're not going to get to every question that got sent in last wow. week, but we're going to get to at least. Nor will we properly handle the ones you have. <laughs> so, well, that goes without saying. Keep sending those. We are we're that's just who we are. Yeah. We're going to get to three questions. That's my goal today. We're going to get right. three questions. Let's do your three goal. All right. So we're going to hit it. First. I like to make people successful. What? He he wants three. I want to hit his three. Oh, okay. I don't okay. want to. I don't. I've been contrary a lot in my Which life, means, and oh. I don't need to be contrary. All right. Which means he's going to fly through these. <laughs> Great. And yes. Not going yes. to be very good answers. All right. We'll good. see how it goes. Good. Okay. All right. First question that got sent in was a, another a question about something that confusing that Jesus does in the Gospels, and um, it, it's it is confusing. So yes. The question is, uh, help me understand why Jesus curses a fig tree. In Mark chapter 11. So, for those of you that don't know the story, quick. Or have never eaten figs. If you've ever no. eaten figs, you they're, know why I curse them. They're great, by the way. I, I well, love figs. I, they're right. I, I like love fig figs. Newtons. No. I don't like no. them. No. Mm, I, I like a fig newton. Fig no. newton's like the last cookie you want. Fig newton's I mean, like, not even a cookie. It's not. Yeah. I don't fig even newton's know what like it is. It's like a Pop Tart light. All right, I'm sorry for getting this. A Pop Tart light? I don't think it's, it's not near as good as a Pop Tart. I was going to say light. Not as good. It's Pop Tart diet. So every, here's what I think about with Fig Newtons. My grandpa, the first Ed Martin, uh -huh. that's the only cookie he ever had in his house. And so I'm a little kid, and I'd want something, and I'd go over to his house, and he'd hand me this thing. And I'm, even then, I'm like, Grandpa. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, you got to do better than that. <laughs> exactly. He, he, he was a tough grandpa, <laughs> well, man. You know, in German. Fig Newtons. Oh, oh, should wow. not enjoy cookies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so back to the question. For those of you that don't know this story, Jesus and his disciples are basically walking along one day, and he sees this fig tree that has leaves on it and says that it ought to have figs on it, so he goes to pick a fig off of there, goes to find out there's nothing there. The tree obviously is just kind of bloomed early, and it hasn't produced any fruit. 
And it sounds like Jesus just gets kind of mad at this tree and he says, well, may you never produce fruit again. And then the next time they come by after they're done in town, mm -hmm. fig trees withered from the root up. And it's like, whoa, you know, it's kind of like this miracle that Jesus did, but kind of an opposite miracle. It's kind mm -hmm. of a mm -hmm. destructive kind of miracle. Mm -hmm. So right. I get where the question comes from. It's like, why would Jesus do something like this? So uh, thoughts on the, I have a couple of thoughts, but do y'all have any? Do go any first. Go, go with you your have thoughts. thoughts. Okay. You have the thoughts. Well, as we've said uh, about a lot of these things, context has a lot to do with mm -hmm. understanding a lot of this. Well, everything in the Bible, mm -hmm. it has to do with context. And so if you go back to Mark chapter 11, what you'll notice is there's a story that comes before that and something uh, behind that. And this story about the fig tree is sandwiched in between. The first one is when Jesus enters Jerusalem for the final time the week before he dies. It's what's called the triumphal entry. So all these people gathered around the street. They're waving palm branches and they're, they're praising him. Well, you know, they're welcoming their Messiah and making a big deal out of Jesus. And, it's, uh, and that story, of course, is, is ironic because in about six days, they're all going to be saying, mm -hmm. crucify him. Very yeah. same people are saying, crucify him. So there's that. Right after the story, uh, Jesus goes into the temple, once again finds people selling things there, which he did earlier in his ministry, and he once again drives them out and says, this is not the way God intended his house to be used. And so there's a lot of hypocrisy surrounding this story. And so if you think of this fig tree sort of as a metaphor, you know, it's, it's this tree that looks good on the outside, should have fruit uh, mm -hmm. produced, and it doesn't. And so Jesus, I believe, makes a, an example out of this, talking to people who are one way and not the other. I, that's, that's the best I can make out of it. Mm -hmm. um, He's so. definitely, I think, making a call about hypocrisy. Yeah. I definitely mm -hmm. think that's clear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that there's something in the fig that was a national kind of thing for Israel that the fig tree sort yep. of represented. So the mm -hmm. disciples would have gotten significance of these cursing a fig tree being, mm -hmm. you know, what's the national, there's no national tree in the United States, is there? There probably is. There probably is. I don't we know what, don't know. I don't know what it is. Be like me cursing a turkey. No, not a, an eagle. I'm sorry. An eagle. I was thinking Benjamin. Turkey should have been. Ben, Benjamin Franklin wanted it to be the turkey. But yes. anyway, eagle. And yes. Everybody would have gotten, I was saying something about the country, I think. Well, and then the temple fits the same thing. You talked yes. about that in your message. It very yep. much was their national identity. And mm -hmm. so that's a huge part. And that's a part of all that, you know, in this Jesus is Greater series we're kind of getting to is that Jesus really comes and what he's doing is fulfilling everything that God had been establishing with the nation of Israel, but they didn't get right. And so, like you said, uh, often the prophets that came before Jesus used images of trees and vineyards and gardens and this idea that God's wanting to create something new and that those things would produce fruit and that it would do good for the entire world and all these kind of things. And then obviously you have this tree that's not producing those fruit. And so then he goes in the temple. And, and I think it's interesting that uh, Mark, I think it was Mark, and then Mark? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mark. There, it's, it's recorded twice, but I think Mark's the one that says it withered from the roots up. Yes. You know, right. We normally see it the other way, but it's very symbolic that the roots were always dead. That's why you didn't have any fruit is because it wasn't, producing what it should, yes. and it becomes very symbolic. This tree was always dead. You mm -hmm. just couldn't tell. Yep. Well, then I think in Luke also has a parable about a fig tree. I think it's in mm -hmm. Luke where there's a parable about a fig tree, which is very similar to this story where he talks about someone planting a fig mm -hmm. tree. It doesn't produce, and he says, well, give it another year to see if it'll produce this year, which is kind of 
the story of the nation of Israel, that God keeps coming back, mm-hmm. and sometimes he sends them into exile, and he goes, well, come back, let's try it again. Then they mess it up, he goes, well, come back, and then he says, we're going to tear it up from the roots, we're yes. going to dig it up, yep. we're going we're gonna, to, you know. Which it goes back to what we've been saying this whole series is Jesus didn't come to tack on something right. to right. the old system. No, he came he's to bring us bringing bring a new the roots thing. out, he's planting yeah. something new. Something brand new. Exactly right. So, all right. That's what we think. Yeah. And you can take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what right. We, that's what we think so about we'll say, that. If there's a company out there, there's like a Fig of the Month company. Oh, my goodness. They'd like to sponsor this podcast. Jason really likes figs, and he likes fig newtons. I like that's them right. straight off the table. I would like Nutter Butter. You know, speaking of fig, <laughs> They're not going to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> no, they're not. My grandmother, and to this day, my grandmother has a fig tree in her yard. And when, when they just come out, if you just pick them right off the tree... They are really good. When I have eaten them that way, because we had one right outside my bedroom window, big yes. fig tree, and mm-hmm. if you can get them right when they're ripe, for the birds get them. For the birds, the birds get them. That's right. They're really they're mm-hmm. they're tasty. I don't yes. like fig preserves. They're a little nasty looking to me. They are nasty looking, <laughs> but they taste good, Ed. Yeah, I know. I like fig Newtons right off the shelf. Oh my gosh! <laughs> go right to the pantry, you open it up. Give me a cookie. Okay. Nutter butter. Right. On to. Question number two, and this is also Not another... Oreo. Are people, there are people that hate Oreos. Can we stop? I thought you were helping him be successful. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to derail this. You're going to help him be successful. I'm going to start over so the clip's clean. <laughs> Can I right. do that? Yes, please do that. All right. Question number two of the day, if Ed will let me. Yeah. All right. Question number two, and this is another question about something that Jesus did that this person is confused by and doesn't understand. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, it's the story of when Jesus encounters uh, these two guys uh, that are demon-possessed, and he confronts them, and then he casts the demons out, and they, the demons go into a herd of pigs, and then the pigs rush down the hill, and they fall off, and they all die. And the question that this uh, listener says is, I don't understand the significance of that story. What is there to be learned from that? Well, you know, there are interesting things that I, uh, a lot of that, that's the Legion story, right? He yes. does. He, he in does. one account, yes, and the other, other no. account, no. Okay, the, yeah, but right. yes, you are correct. Yeah, that he says, "Who are in your le- We are legion." The demons. The say demons. That. Yeah. We are legion. Yes. Uh, so I have an interesting part for all of that that I just recently learned. But all right, that's well, why don't you, lay why don't you throw that in there? Come on, we'll man. The other part. I do want to say, in case people were watching, wonder why I freaked out. We just blew that light bulb right there, and we did. It got really bright for a second, and then really dark. So, in case you saw that and you saw me act as if I was having a stroke. That's why. It was It was very disconcerting. And now that I looked over there, there are other lights. All I can see is spots. I'm That's sorry right. for having looked over there. So now. share with us your learning on this. Yes, well, uh, so one of the interesting things about all that that I had never thought about, and I was listening to another uh, favorite theologian of mine, and uh, talking about the fact that when Jesus came, um, a part of everything that's happening, so... The demons know who he is, of course, right? But they don't know what he's there for. In hmm. fact, I'd never thought about that. But occasionally they'll say, "Jesus, what, what are you doing?" Yeah, well, you in want? this story, it, I went back yeah. and reread it. They do say, "Are you here to torture us before right. your appointed time?" Yeah, because they, they knew there was a they, time. They coming. knew there was a time coming. <laughs> yeah. And so this guy's making the point, and I do wonder. I, you know, again, no one know until they get to heaven and can ask about this. But they don't know what he's doing, and so they're regularly attacking things that he's doing. And, uh, you know, there's just a part of the plan of God they don't know. And so this guy's making the point of they think the best thing they can do, he's in human form, and they're thinking he's exceptionally vulnerable as a human. Mm -hmm. And so let's kill him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kill him, 
Maybe in human form we'll be done with the whole thing. And, of course, they don't know that by doing this thing, they think it's going to be destroyed. They're actually playing into God's hand the whole Absolutely. time. And it brings about the resurrection. But in their world, again, they're just thinking, uh, that's, probably, that's not about your story. But that was so interesting. It was just a thought I had never, yeah, ever heard. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. that I had always, I'd never really locked in on that part. They regularly asking, what are, you, what are you here for? Yeah. Why are you here? What are you going to do? We know here you are. And sometimes he'll just say, hey, hush, don't mm -hmm. talk about any of that kind of stuff, but they don't have a clue what he's doing, which gets to the whole thing. People often think, well, God and Satan, they're almost equal. No, they're not almost equal. <laughs> not even Satan's close. just taking shots in the dark yes, at yes. stuff. He yes. has no clue what God's got going on in the overall scope of things. So you don't even have to worry about that kind of no. stuff. He's just taking shots in the dark at stuff. Exactly. Well, so I, I think, I think back to the story. Well, going off the demons, thing, I don't know if the question is directly about the pigs or not, but I think it's good to set the context because I think sometimes once again, for modern readers reading this stuff, it's even hard to even... I, the idea of Jesus talking to demons, because demons may be a, <laughs> uh, a a block for some people. Of mm. There are a lot of people oh, who yeah. believe in God, but you may not necessarily believe in demons or the devil. But that's a big part of what Jesus is doing on earth. Is We often think of just what happens at the cross being just about me and Jesus, about my personal sin. But Jesus is really combating all the forces of evil and sin and all of this destructive power that is wreaking havoc on our world and, of course, mm -hmm. our personal lives and our personal sin and all that is part mm -hmm. of it. But that that's, in, in this, that's what Jesus is doing. Is he's confront, he often is going through uh, either healing sicknesses, which is a form of evil, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a consequence of the fall, yeah, which exactly right. is about sin. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Right, so he's dealing, with, he's dealing with this, but then other times he says he's just bringing out unclean spirits or demons. And so this is a big part of Jesus' interaction with this man is he's, he's freeing this man from the power of sin that is in his life, which is these demons and that, and then puts them into uh, pigs, which is so, often uh, strange to many of us. So, uh, you know, this takes place in Israel, and if you don't know, pigs are unclean in uh, mm -hmm. Judaism. So mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself, first of all, what's there doing a herd of pigs in the middle of Israel? That's an interesting mm -hmm. kind of thought when you read this yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's this guy that's so demon-possessed, and he hurts himself and is a danger to others, one of the right. accounts tells us. Mm -hmm. That they put him in chains and they have him outside of their town, out where the tomb, the tombs are. Uh, the tombs are, mm -hmm. and very near these pigs. Now the pigs are outside because they're unclean. We yes. know why they're outside. Yes, because the good Jewish people, who are apparently raising the pigs, <laughs> but we can't have them can't in have town. Can't have them in town. They're they're out here raising the pigs, or they've rented land or Whatever. something. Who knows something. something. But so, they're not raising them for them. No, they're not raising them for them. Because they're so, not eating them. You know, one of the <laughs> things that I had a professor years ago that was talking about this, and it's always sort of stuck with me, is that, you know, as you're reading that, you do think about those things. So there's these pigs. They're outside the town. This dude is outside the town. They put him on the level with these people. He's dangerous to them. They make him unclean, but they're making money off him. He ain't doing them any good. And Jesus basically says, this guy, as you talked about in your thing, their people are sacred. Yes. Right. And these, these are just, they're just, they're There's just pigs. things, pigs, you're making money off of them. And so Jesus says, these ought not to be here anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. In Israel, most likely they're collaborating with the Romans. They're mm -hmm. probably raising pigs to feed to the Roman, Roman army, army. Yeah. Uh, but they're getting away with it. They don't get to be bad as tax collectors. I'm not collecting taxes for them. I'm just making money off yeah, the Romans. whatever. You know, whatever. Like that's different. <laughs> so... And so he saves the one guy and 
-hmm. takes care of the yes. pigs all at the same time. He sets all priorities he right. He sets everything and probably really, really upset them that the pigs were gone. Well, it does say yeah. at the end of the story that as soon as he does that, the townspeople all come out and they go, you need to get out of here. Yeah. They mm -hmm. kick Jesus out mm -hmm. of town. Mm -hmm. So, again, it goes back to your point of they're not looking at this guy that got healed and going, thank you, Jesus, for rescuing right. this human being. Right. you got to assume right. he had family or something oh, there. Of course Surely he did. the family's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, yes. rest of town. Get but the pigs! Yeah. You the pigs! The, is it one dude versus pigs? It was their livelihood, man. Yeah, apparently. Our money-making opportunity is down the hill. We don't, so. that's, again, I'll just say that's speculation. That's our speculation. But the, the yes. pigs yes. are there for some reason, and yeah, they can't right. be there for any of the Jews because they can't eat none of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so. yes. But what we do know for sure is that pigs are un, were unclean at the we time. We know that for, for sure. For the Jewish people. Yes. And we know they're upset about the pigs. And, and we, we know the people are upset about the pigs. And we're both, and we're all three very happy that pigs are no longer unclean, very, so we can eat happy. them now. Sunday was Sunday National Pig Day. Yes, <laughs> it was good for us. You gotta eat me some us. pig. I haven't had pig this week. I need some. So there we go. All right, on to the third question, which is going to lead us into our message discussion. I think because I think it ties in. But we'll start with this one. I, this is a really, really, really good question. Well thought out by the person. I know the heart of the person who sent this in was in the right place. And they say, I know our motto, meaning community Christian, is to love everyone always. But some people are difficult to love. How do we love people who show no fruits of the Spirit, people who are just difficult and possibly even toxic? Mm. Great question. That is a great question. Thoughts on this one? Well, you know, everyone and always is always going to apply. Yeah to people that are different. Kind of gets in the way. It but does it. sort of get, and Jesus, you know, yeah. just has this way of leaving you no wiggle room mm. in that, you know, you're supposed to love your spouse. We're all married, so mm -hmm. hopefully that's easy. Sometimes it's not. No, Sometimes it's not. It's well, not. I'm the spouse that's un <laughs> not, hard, not hard to love most of the time. And I'm supposed to not frustrate my kids and love them, and they're mm -hmm. supposed to love me, and that's sometimes easier not. And then I'm supposed to love my neighbor, yep. which sometimes is easier not. But then if all of those check out, he goes, everybody else is in your enemy category, yeah. and you got them too. Yeah. So everyone always covers all of that. But I get where the person's going. There, there is a, a boundary situation, I guess, is what we're sort of talking about. How do I, I think so. How do I handle boundaries? Well, and I don't know. I, 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 is it, well, it is because Jesus told us to. Is it possible to love your enemies and still create boundaries that are yes. healthy for both of you. It must be possible or else Jesus wouldn't Well, and I would even that. argue that it's not even an enemy thing. I think boundaries look different with different people. Oh, absolutely. But every healthy relationship. I have boundaries with my wife. And my, yeah. me and my wife, me and my wife are the cl closest human relationship I can have. But even in that, now the, real, the boundaries are different and they're drawn at different places than an enemy True. is. She gets to have access to parts of my life that they obviously don't get to. Mm -hmm. But even within every relationship, there are things that are appropriate and acceptable. And then there are things when they happen that I have to say that is inappropriate. Even, even if it were my wife to have done it, it would be necessary for me to say that is inappropriate, that is unacceptable, or obviously vice mm -hmm. versa. There, there's certainly been things she said to me that is inappropriate. That is but even the act of drawing boundaries, no matter who it's with, I think is an act of love. Oh, I, yes, that's absolutely. what I was going to get. I'm absolutely. glad you brought because that's exactly where I was going. We, I think, every relationship where there are no clear boundaries, mm -hmm. um, love gets overtaken by kindness and passive aggressiveness. Mm. 
of I'm kind until you get too far into my boundary stuff, and then I get passive-aggressive mm-hmm. or aggressive if you're oh, me. Oh, yeah, one of the other. You know, yeah. I either am passive-aggressive or you're too far. Boundaries are a way. It's all it is, and I love the way Henry Cloud says it, is it's just really what we say it is. It, they're property lines. Yep. This is my responsibility. Yep. This is your responsibility. And every relationship has to be clean on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is my part of this. This is your part of this. And I think parents and children mess that up all the time. Mm-hmm. Of There are parents that want to step over into kids when they're at, well, at all ages, into doing for them mm-hmm. or controlling them. Mm-hmm. And there are kids that are willing to give up boundaries for a while for the sake of what they can get out of a parent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just think all of that's really important. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think, it's, I think it's really difficult, and I think you kind of said this when you are talking about, when, without boundaries, there's really not, it's really hard to tell whether I really love the person or whether I'm just using the person or I myself am being used. And I think in those situations, it's tough. I know in my personal life, you talked about kid-parent relationships, and you know Henry Cloud, who you mentioned before, has a book called Boundaries, and he has several. He's the one that's popularized that whole phrase in our culture. Yeah. Right, yeah. And yeah. culture was. I mean, he's the one that brought that up. I remember he's a psychologist, and I remember him writing in one of the one of the versions. He has it for all different kinds of things, you know, parenting. Boundaries and, for that chair. Right. Yeah, he's got. Because he, <laughs> once you get one guy idea, he's got to keep bringing it up, bringing it up. But he's got one about boundaries for parenting, and so he talks about developmentally for children that one of the first places it actually happens when they're about one or two, and they start the thing of, I don't really need you anymore. I'm going to go, it's the little first step of independence of, no, I do it by myself. No, I do it by myself. And one of the hard things he talked about is he said, this is the fight for most parents in a relationship, is that is one of the toughest pullaways, and it's only going to get harder and harder as they go. For me to differentiate myself from my child, and I'm my own person, and they're their own person, but we do that in every relationship. And what ends up happening is I begin to, if I don't have proper boundaries, I start expecting things out of you that I really should be handling myself that you can never actually fulfill. You can never actually do for me. Or I allow you to expect things out of me that I can't fulfill for you. And then I'm not really loving you. I'm, I'm creating, because I'm not helping you become a full person, which is what love is, is I want you to be whole. Mm. I want you to be the person God made you to be. And that isn't this person who, who relies on everyone else to take care of things that I should be, that are, and you use property, that are within my property lines. Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't able to participate in that. We had a conversation this morning on, we film on Tuesday this podcast or record it, and we have a staff learning thing together every Tuesday morning. Jason had some other responsibilities. So part of our discussion today was about the fact that God's always present and everywhere God is because God's characteristic that we know is he's love. Mm-hmm. So God is every person, including this person, God is always fully loving that person Correct. Mm-hmm. at all times. No matter who the person is, whether I can love them or not, God is constantly fully loving that person. Even when that person has some really difficult consequences coming in their life, Mm -hmm. God is fully loving that person. And a part of it may be allow them experiencing the consequences of their choices. Correct. The tough part for me, depending on who the person is, is stepping into that. So I step into that, and I'm supposed to love everybody as God Love through me, I'm supposed to, really, I'm just, I'm a conduit for his love. Yes. I'm stepping into the flow of his love. Yeah. 
I often don't want people in my life to experience the consequences, so I violate a boundary, honestly, mm -hmm. by trying to remove their consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's often, hey, I told you. You know, I, I want to share my wisdom. I want to I show you what you should do. And then when you don't do what I say you ought to, mm -hmm. then I get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have come to learn as I've gotten older that uh, an indication to me, boundaries are for me, they're good for me, because I will often step over by the nature of my personality into control and power and mm -hmm. those kind mm -hmm. of things. When I move from offering you wisdom and kindness to offering you wisdom and frustration, I have violated a boundary. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, if I'm fully in the middle of, hey, I really, this is the wisdom, and I think this is what you should do, and, you know, because that's the way God is. God's not, God's not mad. God tells me what to do, and he's not, he doesn't remove his love, so I'll get it. Yeah. He right. just allows yeah. me to experience the consequences sure. of me not doing what he asked me to do. And uh, for me, that's a good indication. So I don't know if that helps, but that's one of the things. <clears throat> the other things is uh, I, I wind up, I, want, I wrote some of this down because I just wanted to say it. I, I want to have compassion for the other person. Yes. But what I tend to move into is I want to control the other person. Yes. Mm -hmm. And anytime I move from compassion to control, I am violating a boundary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, often with hard to love people, it's not so much they're violating boundaries. I am often the one violating a boundary of love by they didn't do what I want, so I feel like I have to punish them. Mm -hmm. They, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. Whereas, I don't, you know, that's, that's not the way God's ever treated me. I have had some hard things happen in my life. He didn't cause them. And it, and I, <laughs> I brought them on. I think it's important to point this out, too. Even... Every type of love, whether it's somebody that, like you said, is easy to love or somebody like the questioner asked about that's hard to love, every, every type of genuine love is in the end going to cost me something. Mm -hmm. it's, yes, going to, it's, going to, it's going to feel a little bit like a loss uh, in lots of cases um, mm -hmm. because you're not necessarily going to get the reciprocal and they're not going to love you back as at least in the way that maybe you expected. And so you've got to go into it knowing that if I'm loving, I will feel a little bit of a, of a cost in that. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, in, and I remember this uh, in the book we're reading right now, uh, Greg Boyd says, I think one of his definitions of love is ascribing worth to another person at the cost to, to yourself. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the fi fact of that person may not have earned uh, the, this worth that you are going to give to them, but you give it anyway by the sheer fact of they're a child of God. They are made in His image, and so you, you ascribe worth to them, but then it, it almost always costs you something in, in ways of maybe your comfort or maybe your expectations or maybe your expectation to get love back or to get a favorable response back. Um, you just kind of give that up in love. Yeah. It's yeah. part of what it yeah. means to love. And, our, and, of course, our best example of that is what God did for us. Mm -hmm. He ascribed worth to us when we did not deserve it, and it was at cost to himself. In fact, the only illustration, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say only, <laughs> the best illustration, and John uses this in his epistle, of 
this is how we know love. Not that we loved God, exactly. but that he loved, he loved us, us and gave himself. So the example that gets pointed out to us is a love that ascribed to us before we turned to God, he counted it as loving and then yeah. he paid the cost. Or like you said, it love, love all along the way, love before we loved him back, love when we refused to love him back, love if we never love him back. Love is constant from him towards us yes. and every person. Yeah, God is so. for everybody, whether they are ever for him. Yes. We've yeah. said that, and that's just the And truth. that's our challenge is to be that way. If we are for everybody, whether or not God ever matters to them. Yeah, and, and on the toxic side, there are people that um, toxic, I don't, I don't really like it so much because I don't know that the person is poisonous to everybody. Exactly. But maybe I'm not at the point yet where I can be in that, but that's often a boundary issue for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Toxic make because when I hear something's poisonous, something's either poisonous or not. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't change. Anyway. I, I there may be toxic things in the relationship you yeah, currently right, have with right. this person. Yes. But like you said, they're not toxic to everybody. They're not toxic to everybody. Yeah. So there are things that I have to go into and I have to go, you know, I'm going to have to have firmer boundaries mm -hmm. because I'm not currently at a place where I can keep, uh, I can't keep the boundary yet. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I can't. I can't maintain the difference between them and me. Yeah. I think, so you were talking about, I think another thing that was very helpful to me along the lines when you're talking about toxic of, uh, so Henry Cloud writes a book, Boundaries, but he writes it with a guy, John Townsend, who right. also is a psychologist and also writes books. He often writes a lot about these uh, definitions for the categories really for people that you can see in a lot of like the Psalms and things like that where there's wise people, there are foolish people, and there are evil people. That's very important Com categories to keep in my head when I'm dealing with people. He says, your boundaries are different. You know, with wise people, you really want to invest your time. This is somebody who is, they're asking for your advice. They're, they're wanting to know. And it doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Wise people are people who may make mistakes a lot because we all make mistakes a lot. But they're a person when you come in and say, hey, here is why you're doing that in your marriage. They go, oh, and then they go, let me try and apply that. Right. A foolish person is a person who you keep giving advice to and they hear it but they don't really ever do anything with it. They're not really applying it, and that the best thing you can do for them is consequences. You just allow them, if you're going to continue doing this, there's a, there's a level of things that are going to happen. But then there's this category of evil that he talks about that almost any of us could end up in when I really want to cause that chaos. You've right. given me the consequences. You've shown me this is unacceptable behavior. You can't continue to do this. And for an evil person, the fact that they continue to do it with the consequences shows Maybe they enjoy that part of it. Maybe they enjoy the chaos that is thriving in them. Like you said, it doesn't mean that they're toxic with everybody, but maybe the combination or what this relationship, there are toxic things that are happening. And with that person, you have to, you have to put up strong boundaries where you're saying, maybe we can't really spend time together in this capacity or the way that we're doing this right now. Yeah. Um, and the hope always is, and I, you know, if we wanted to make this the whole podcast, we could probably talk about this. Jesus has illustrations in the life of Jesus that I could point out his interactions with wise people, mm -hmm. with foolish Absolutely. people, mm -hmm. and with evil people. And the hope is always that the person will become wise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. He doesn't ever write anybody off. Mm -hmm. But there are ways I interact with you mm -hmm. that let you know I know where you are. Right. Yeah. I know where you are, and so I'm going to try to treat you that way, but it is still loving. Yeah, absolutely. It is still loving 
Because the hope is to restore this person, Mm -hmm. but that's the final thing I would say for people like us, and I think a lot of people are in this category. You're talking about wanting kind of almost control. I have to remind myself I can't fix anybody, and that sometimes that's where I get to with other people that I think, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it the right way. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the right kind of advice. I'm gonna do something that's gonna fix it. That's gonna fix their situation. That's gonna fix this problem in their life. It's not my job to fix anybody. Ultimately. That's me stepping into God's place. Yeah, we're told to, you know, so if, I, if I'm with somebody and I have, a, I have a good sense of boundaries and I share my wisdom and they don't do it and they have consequences, well, then I'm told to grieve with them. I, right. do, I yeah. do grieve the consequence. I rejoice when it goes well. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'm not told to do is to control the uncontrollable. Yes. <laughs> I rejoice or to protect with, them I rege- from or these protect them. I, I, you know, if you're a person who you just, you're out of control and you don't you don't want me involved in any way i'm supposed to step in and control you mm-hmm. you do that with a little child because Absolutely. they they're totally in the foolish category yes, the <laughs> they're, they're just not at the place where they could so i don't let them run out in the street and see what it feels like to get hit by a car but i also don't not let my 20 year old drive because i think he's foolish Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I don't let I don't keep protecting people at ages where they should be able to make consequences, because eventually I'm not going to be there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's just not loving because it's in not. the end, because mm-hmm. even you know, because even if you're like, well, I will be there, but someone else will be there and they'll take care. It still doesn't matter. They are not becoming the person God. I'm violating their personhood. I am violating their personhood, their free will, all the things that we've talked about before. God loves us enough to allow us to make bad choices sometimes. Anyway, I, that has been helpful for me because I certainly have struggled in my life because I'm a people pleaser and I want to help. And I do genuinely want to help people, but there are people in my life sometimes I've said, I can't help you with this. Mm. I can be here to love you and I can grieve with you in this thing and I can talk with you, but I can't, I can't continue. If you're going to continue with this inappropriate behavior that is either hurting me or hurting other people, I can't continue as someone who loves you to allow you to do that without me allowing the consequences of that to happen. And so I think, I think this is a great question. Yeah. Um, and we, I don't want to keep going on and on uh, on this so we could cut the answer. But <laughs> this all comes back to, and it has to be clarified for all of us again and again, the difference between niceness and love. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And politeness. I want. Love. We sort of think the the motto is, be nice to everyone always, mm-hmm. tolerate everyone always, or have everyone like me. Have always. every. I'll know that I accomplished the be loving thing if everybody's happy with me. That, yeah, that's not it. Jesus is the most loving person in history. And they killed yeah. him. They killed him. So. Yeah. Well, okay. and that's one of those quotes that Jesus has that I carry around a lot where he's going to heal somebody and he asks, do you want to get well? Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important, because that certainly presupposes maybe you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to get well. And often I've entered in situations, well, you, you want to get well, I'll just do it for you. And yeah. maybe you don't. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that discussion transitions nicely into what we talked about on Sunday. Um, yeah. Nathan talked about... Most of us wind up with a category in our lives of mm-hmm. those people. Those people. Those people. And those people could be any people. Yeah, uh, that, or a person. That Just we struggle people. to love or yeah. that we struggle being with. And uh, 
So let's kick this off. I thought your uh, analogy was good of uh, we all start out life um, segmenting ourselves away from people that are not like us. Mm -hmm. And typically we see that clearly in high school, um, mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. which I saw it in my high school. I'm sure you guys did, although, you know, yours was in your oh, bedroom, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so maybe this, is, bedroom, maybe this is a discussion for me and Ed. I'm curious, what, uh, what, what table did you sit at in high school? Well, uh, this is probably different because I, you know, I grew up in a time where we didn't have to eat in the cafeteria. Uh -huh. So, you know, I was still in a land of freedom. Okay. <laughs> Mississippi may I still be. I didn't enjoy that. The last. Uh, so, by the time you could drive, which in Mississippi was 14, uh, you could leave campus for lunch. Nice. So, I, I didn't sit at a table any time that I can remember. Uh, we did all kinds of stuff during lunch. Well, but so, what was, what was your, so yeah. you are those people for a lot of folks. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You probably for most people that he was those people. <laughs> He'd go off campus and they go, "Here comes that person." <laughs> okay, I was those people yes. for some people. Yeah. Well, we all are for some people. Yeah. I'm sure. but oh yeah, have to be. I, for me, I I thought about this. I'm like I. I typically sat at the table uh, where there was a girl that I was interested in like, <laughs> most, most years in high school. So I bounced from table to table. There were some times when, nah, they're not all every year. Probably my freshman year, I just hung out with the guys that I played ball with. But then once I started getting interested in some certain females, uh, I started, I wound up sitting at the band table one year. Oh. Huh. Because the girl I was dating was in the band. Okay. And so I sat around, I was not a band dude. Yeah. Uh, but you sat with them. Band geek, as I would have called them. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. no offense to the band people, that's just what I called you. So you were more but, uh, in on like the ball team side. I was at first. Side. I was a little athletic, but I wasn't jock. I wasn't football, you know, right. meathead kind of jock kind of guy. I was, you know, the uh, only time I'm sitting here thinking I can remember I remember being in the cafeteria of my high school yeah. was a uh, thing they had. We had a banquet, the junior-senior banquet, which yeah. was not, the prom was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember being there for that. That's the mm -hmm. only time. And I don't think I, I must have not gone both years, or I don't yeah. remember one of the two years, mm -hmm. which is possible. There Probably. Were other yeah. things involved. Yeah. So I don't even remember. I couldn't describe that place to yeah. you really well. Hmm. <laughs> It was a cafetorium, I know that. Ooh, that's a word. <laughs> you know, they a had a cafetorium. stage on there was a stage. I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is it about us, and you touched on it, uh, mm -hmm. Nathan, but what, what is it in us that, that does that? We gravitate towards people that are like us, and what's the heart of that tendency, you think? Hmm. Is it comfort? I think that's part of it. Mainly, that was the word that came to my mind. Is yeah, I think it's I think it's fear and it's comfort. That so the, fear was the other word. The, yeah. the comfort yeah. the comfort part is I, I these people understand me, they mm -hmm. get me. We have similar maybe backgrounds or mm -hmm. whatever. Like we just we gravitate towards because it's just simpler, it's easier. Everyone looks mm -hmm. like me, thinks like me, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And then I think the fear part is whenever we're in an environment where I feel like an other, I feel like I am the other in this category. Mm -hmm. I, I am afraid, you know, a kind of term that gets thrown around a lot in, in our society is, you know, this xenophobia idea that xenophobia is fear of the other. Mm -hmm. And I heard someone say this, I thought it was so good, is that what Jesus really does when he flips it is he, he, he moves from xenophobia to xenophilia, which <laughs> philia is the love part, that it's yeah. love of the other, that Jesus is really, and you see this over and over again when you read, that he's constantly moving towards yeah. the other, that he's yeah. not even, he, he comes to the people of Israel, which are his people, but he's constantly moving to the Gentiles and the Romans 
Romans to women, mm -hmm. to all these different groups of people and saying, no, part of being in this kingdom is this breaking apart of this xenophobia that I'm afraid of people who aren't like me and I and I, I'm compelled towards people aren't, mm -hmm. who aren't like me. Um, and so anyway, I think that, but I do think fear mm -hmm. is, is a big part of it. And, um, yeah. And what's cool about what I've probably seen in my life grow in me, and it's still growing. I'm not, certainly not there. I haven't arrived anywhere yet. <laughs> but I feel that it's growing in me is, is that thread that runs through when, when, when we embrace the kingdom of God, which Jesus came to bring. Mm -hmm. and, and then I'm, I'm around people who have also embraced mm -hmm. that kingdom. Mm -hmm. All that other stuff just... Honestly, when I when I sense it, all that other the differences, the re, the mm -hmm. things that would keep you and I apart, they actually enhance the relationship. Oh, when we are we are both absolutely. kingdom embracers. I think I've been in rooms with people who are so culturally and politically and racially and you, you put any of those words in the, in the in there different from me, but yet we have this kingdom mindset in common. It is just, it is amazing. It's really enhancing. It and is. Mm -hmm. I've had the experience in the last year or so uh, in an online thing that I've participated in to actually read the scripture with people that are vastly different from me mm -hmm. or have people comment mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me. We don't even read the Bible alike. People right. from, yeah. we, have right. di we have very different lenses that is, it's, made clear to me I'm I haven't always seen everything I should be seeing because mm -hmm. I have this really me focused view of the world mm -hmm. we've had uh, I haven't said this to you I don't know if I've ever explained this to you guys but we have had uh, over at the Ashley Park campus which is where I worship when I'm not preaching um, because of our location is so close to the cancer center over in Noonan we have had so many people walk through our doors who are just in town just mm -hmm. to have mm -hmm. cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. They're in Noonan. They're going through their cancer treatment. They look for a church, and it's like, oh, there's a church across the street at the theater. And they come across, and they walk in. And, and I've met several of these people, and they come from completely different parts of the country, right. uh, just all kinds of differences that exist between us. But they walk in, and they say, I'm a part of the body of Christ, and I'm looking to I'm looking for a place to to just belong while I'm mm -hmm. here. Can I be a part of this community? And it's just like, bam! And it's instant. Those who are reaching out for it, mm -hmm. and we we've become. I mean, my wife and I have become friends, and I mean, closer than you would imagine with people that we would have never mm -hmm. uh, crossed yeah. paths with. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I know my wife. She also attends that campus yeah. and is experienced. There was a guy that was coming who just passed away. He did, yeah. And uh, yeah. she really felt it. I was, Man, you know, yeah. I did too. You know, this is a guy that just, he had only been there, but he was super. He was there all the time. He was. He was very involved. He considered this, you know, he was very mm -hmm. much a kingdom-minded person. And, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, that other goes away if you can see the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, real clearly. And so, you know, it was, again, this book we've been reading as a staff, that's a part of what not only is God present in every moment, but the kingdom is also yes, always, always present. Once, mm -hmm. once Jesus came and said the kingdom is here, it's here all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We just aren't aware of it. And if I could get aware that the kingdom of God is here, that that's a part of what I'm supposed to pray every day, that what's happening in the kingdom 
would happen in me and happen around me. Yeah. Well, look at, know, the, look at the images that Jesus uses to describe his kingdom. He uses the uh, first image of yeast working its way through mm -hmm. a batch of dough, which mm -hmm. is just permeates everything. He uses a, the image of a tree that spreads out branches and then these birds from all over the place come and live yeah. within it. He's, he's, he's illustrating the, that idea of the kingdom of it just eking out into the world every which way that it can. And so many different types of people from all different backgrounds and places are finding their home mm -hmm. in this family. And it is, it is the, the defining characteristic now mm -hmm. of all of these diverse people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what's happening. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the hard part about it for a lot of us is this thing of, like you said, the kingdom is present but I'm not always present in it. I'm not oh, always yeah. aware of it. And so it becomes very clear. And you see this if you read, like you say, Jesus uses this a lot and, you know, in, until you kind of understand the language of it, you don't see it. But then once you understand the language of it, you see it everywhere. He keeps using of every nation, like the one you just yeah. talked about where he says, you know, there's mustard seed grows in this branch and then, bir you know, birds of all nations, uh, everyone's coming in that there's, they're resting. And see, we hear that and we just go, oh, he's saying all people, but in their minds, they really heard this go, whoa, 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 that's a step back for the people of Israel. Yeah. You know, this is the new Jesus bringing. They're going, no, 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 people of our nation are right, coming yeah. into this thing. And he's saying, no. And then even when Jesus goes into the temple and he says, my house is to be a, a, a house of prayer for, for the all nations. nations or all yes. nations. And then they're like, what are you? No, this is our national identity. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard. And so then you see throughout the rest of things Paul is writing and Peter is writing and all these letters we have, he's constantly battling, hey, you guys are just not dealing with the fact that there are these people of different races together and you've got men and women together and this is a thing that's brand new. You guys have to figure this out because you're, when, when you're not, when all you're focusing on is rich and poor, because there's, you know, part, I think it's 1 Corinthians where he talks to them about taking communion together and the rich are eating communion before the poor can get there and yeah. he's saying you're 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 disrespecting the some body some of, of you are going away gluttons and some of you are hungry because mm -hmm. they yes. weren't sharing what was brought mm -hmm. to the table yes yeah. and so you've got rich and poor you've certainly got men and women you've got people of other races you've got slave and free these social statuses that are all in the mm -hmm. mix there and because they just have to work this out because there's never been anything like it. And I think a lot of the issues, and this may go to the original question of why do we separate is we have lots of assumptions about the other yes. that all of us have. And, you know, and I think one of the, some of the big things, we certainly have all that um, racial stuff and gender stuff in our country and in our churches and in this church. Mm -hmm. But also I think politics plays a huge part in it right now for a lot of people. And, you know, it's an election year. And we just have ideas about, well, anyone who doesn't really think like me or anyone who doesn't have the same ideas as me, well, God's not really happy with them. God's not really on the same side as them. And we bring that into things and we carry it around. But then what I've always noticed, and I think this is so interesting, is we carry these assumptions, but then you've got someone in your life that you love dearly and, and they do vote differently than you. Or they do fit some other category to you and you almost are like, well, I'm giving them a pass. You make excuses for yes. them because you know them. Because you know them and you've chosen, we're family. Yeah, this is right. my family and I love yeah. them. And they may irritate you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying well, that when sure. you get together for Thanksgiving, y'all don't have an argument it doesn't irritate you. But there's this part of you that goes, well, you know, mm -hmm. they blah, blah, blah. And you have mm -hmm. a thing. But then often within the body of Christ, we don't have that same idea. of That's my brother. That's my sister. I just go, you know, they're not really Christian because they don't really whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, fill in the blank. Yeah. And so I think, but we have these assumptions. We carry assumptions about people who think this way, people who vote this way, people who look this way, people who come from, 
you know, this place, mm. they're all X, Y, and Z. And very well, they may be having the same assumptions about me. Oh, most, li most likely. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, all right. So let's talk about another quote that I pulled from your message that I wanted to uh, touch in on. It's a little bit different, but mm -hmm. I, I think it, there's a lot to say about it because we've talked about this a little bit. And it goes back to the whole thing of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. What he says to the Samaritan woman when they're having their conversation at the well is, you know, they're talking about water. And then Jesus uses that as an illustration mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I know, you, I know you, you're drinking water, but I just want you to know I got some water. Uh -huh. That if you drank it, you'd never be thirsty again. I, I, I think he kind of said that with a little bit of a wink. I do too. I mean, it's, it's a very... It's a very light-hearted mm -hmm. kind of phrase. Mm -hmm. We read it so serious. We read everything Jesus says. And so I wonder if she doesn't wink back at him and go, well, please, yes, yes. That's what give she does. me this give water, Give me this water sir. so that I... Yeah, she doesn't of believe course it. you do. Yeah, it's sarcastic. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's not being sarcastic. He no. really is serious. Right. So here's the image of what he's come to bring. This is something that if you participate in it, you, you take it, whatever, mm -hmm. you're never going to thirst again. I, just, I, I think that phrase is just so, it's got so much packed mm -hmm. in it. I thought it would be interesting to talk about that for a little bit. What is, what is Jesus saying here exactly? Or in all, there's probably different ways that we can go about that. But what does it look like in real life, mm -hmm. that idea? What do you guys think? I don't have, I have a thought, but I'll let one of you guys think first if you want to. Or I'll, well, you talk while we Why think. don't you go? Uh, so my, the first thought while you're talking about it, because I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this until you brought it up, of it really could be a measurement for me of where I am spiritually with mm -hmm. Jesus. If, uh, if I live a life where there's always, and, and this has been my life, I am a, an achiever. I like to achieve. I like to see progress. But if, if my life always has this one unmet thing, this mm. next thing, mm -hmm. uh, I might not be, you know, <laughs> you might be a redneck, you know that, yeah. Jeff? Uh, you might not be in the kingdom if you constantly have unmet needs. Wow. You, you Come on now, Ed. <laughs> you, you might, if every prayer is about Jesus I need, bam. Mm -hmm. if, if everything is about that maybe I haven't been drinking enough of the living water, mm -hmm. if wow. my... If my life is one giant unmet need, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now I, you know that's uh, no. I think but to an extent, that's going to be our experience in this life. But there's must be a measure in this life, or else Jesus wouldn't have said it, where we can reach that place where I don't thirst. Well, you know, I think about right? I, I um, when I hear people, we all love you know uh, Dallas. That is Dallas, Dallas Willard, Willard, who's passed away. Yes. I had, there was a professor I had who, before I knew Dallas Willard, I had, his name was George Mark Elliott, and uh, he was old, old, and I mean, literally, I mean, not just like 50 when I was 20, he was, <laughs> he was 80, yeah. and, I, and I think I've told you all this story, I can remember he came into class one l day late, and we joked him about being late, and he apologized for being tardy. And the reason he was tardy is he no longer drove, so he rode public transportation to our college. And he would not cross except at a crosswalk. And so the crosswalk was significantly uphill uh, from where they let you off the bus. And so then he had to walk back down the hill to the steps, like 90 steps up to the building that we were in. 
but the crosswalk, none of us did that. None of us, when we rode public yeah, transportation, sure. we walked directly from the bus stop to the steps, and we were going to sneak. He couldn't get over how offensive it was to Jesus hmm. that we would violate that. And I was like, come on, dude. Jesus don't care about the crosswalk. Mm -hmm. But to him, he, he wanted so much to... And he really was a guy that the little bit I knew him, there were no... There was no there was no deep unknown desire in his you know what I'm saying there wasn't a desire out there other than he wanted to be pleasing to the Lord hmm. and when I hear people talk about Dallas the thing that they talk about with Dallas was he was just so peaceful yes mm -hmm. and that he was just always at peace when you talk mm -hmm. that there was not this sense of 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 something else that everything he needed was right there yeah. That the, that, pre the kingdom mm -hmm. was present, God was present, he was present. Everything that was needed was there in that moment. So I know it's possible yes. yeah. to eventually get to the place where I have drunk at the living water so much that everything I need is there. Is, it's not something, forgiveness for something I did in the past that mm -hmm. I'm thinking about or something mm -hmm. in the future I don't have. Everything I have is right here in sucking the air I'm sucking right now. It's all, it's all right here. Well, this is what we've been talking about in our staff discussions recently, but I, I will just I'll lay this out there. This is something that I feel like I've been working on this in the past year, and really, this is recent stuff for me, and it's what, something that I've learned is whenever I have found myself, and I have, in moments of, I wouldn't call it depression because that's a loaded word for some people. I don't. I wouldn't categorize myself as being a depressed person. But when I've gone through seasons of my life where I have been discontent, frustrated, um, just negative, so to speak, it is because I am. I am either like you said. I am looking back to things that have been done to me or things that I have done that I didn't do right, and I am. I am either punishing myself or I am lamenting, you know, whatever that thing was in my past, or I'm looking towards my future, looking to, you know, the, the worst possible scenario, what's not going to happen or what I don't anticipate and what is just negative about my future. And I have worked so hard this past year to stop living in either one of those realities and just come to be in the in the present with God because it is the only moment that I have mm -hmm. and it is the only place where he is although I, he is in <laughs> before me and behind me but my point is the only place I can experience God yes. is right now mm -hmm. in where I am and so and I can't say that I'm perfect on this at all but I have found over the past year that I'm finding way more joy by living in the moment, by looking around me and going, look what, look what you have, dude. Look what God has blessed you with. Just right here in your little immediate present, right now in this circle, you are so stinking blessed. And when I'm able to put my, my thought life into that place, that's when I experience God. And then I do have that sense of, I'm not wanting, I'm not right. needy, I'm, I'm not thirsting to use Jesus's word now. I'm fully satisfied because it's me and him, he's with me, and I get to enjoy his present, whatever that is giving me right now, whether it be something I was hoping for or wasn't anticipating. I, I'm, I'm in this moment with him and that brings me lots of 
peace. As, so, so. I think, <coughs> that's where I got. I think there's, I think there's a, a, a part of what you're talking about there. I just think it's, it's, it's so true. And I think it's a part of, I think a, a lot of our misunderstanding of Jesus is that we don't take him at what he says. We assume there must be something else he meant when he said what he meant. And this happens all the time when the disciples interact with him. In fact, this story is a perfect example. We didn't get to it Sunday. but So he says this woman, I have water that when I give it to you, you'll be fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then he has sent his disciples in to go get, get food. food. And they come back and he goes, they go, oh, here's the food we gave. And he goes, I have food you know nothing about. I and, love that line. And then they sit and they're almost like, they even question among themselves, where did he get food? Did he get food? something to eat and somewhere like, else? you sent us in to get food. Grub up, come while yeah. I was gone. Yeah. I mean, why didn't we all get that? That's actually my favorite line in that whole story. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's like, I have food you don't know about. You, it's like my, one of my favorite jokes is when you see two log trucks pass on the road, that you imagine the two log guys are going, you had logs over there? <laughs> Why? We had logs over there. Why, Why are we moving them? Why just, you just a phone call would have solved that problem. That's awesome. I never thought of that. That's so had, you, you had logs. <laughs> okay. We had logs. Who am I taking logs to? Me and the disciples were like that a lot. They show up and they go, That's great. You sent us to go get food That's and great. you had food? You know. Yeah. But I think Jesus really is actually speaking. I think we over imagine. This has been at least my life is when Jesus says, I will be with you always, I'm like, okay, that's a great metaphor. It's like Jesus <laughs> is with me, or Jesus is going to come for me, or Jesus is going to be everything I need. That mm-hmm. really, you know, we've been talking about this. He's fulfilling everything in the, in the Old Covenant. So in Psalm 23, when it says, you could have a life where you really understood you have a shepherd, and you lack nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to want for it. That mm-hmm. is, you could have a life, as Dallas would write, a life without lack, life that there is nothing lack. that you never lack, and that this is a present reality. It's not that Jesus will give me everything I need. Jesus has given me everything I need. And so when I live in this moment, and I sit in this moment, and I just live as if everything's okay, which also means, and I love this, as Dallas says, when you pray for something, whatever happens next is probably is, is God's the answer, answer. answer to your person. So what that means is if what I have right now, if, if Jesus has given me everything I need, then what I have right now is what I need. Yes. Yeah. And so I live in a moment and I go, this is painful mm-hmm. or this is depressing or this is, I'm in this moment and I'm experiencing this thing. But I also exist in a reality where I have everything I need. Mm. And, that, and that's been a huge part of, like you said, for me as well, the past couple years of my life is really getting to this place where I'm, I'm praying and I'm, and I'm spending some time in solitude and meditation every morning to recenter myself in the fact I have everything I need, mm-hmm. that I lack nothing. And so the stresses that are on my day today that are making me thirsty, the, the, the frustration I may have with my spouse or with one of my kids or with someone in, I'm in a relationship with that feels sometimes like it's the most pressing thing I have to do. That is not my reality, although it feels like it's my reality. Mm. My actual reality is Jesus is showing me there's another reality I exist in where I have everything and I am fully loved. And I don't have to chase, I don't have to try and get my wife to do what I want so I feel loved. And I don't have to make my kid behave the way I want to so I feel loved. I currently am as loved as I could possibly be. And therefore, I can love them in their reality. I can be a part of allowing the flow of God's love to flow through me. We did a series a few years ago called that, that whole thing, flow. The flow. I want to get. I want to be in the flow so that the rivers of life that are bubbling up inside of me in endless supply flow. They're coming from God, and they flow outward. And then I get the benefit of that. I mean, 
we we know what it's like, and other, you do too. Everybody, other people know this too. I'm not not like us particularly. Yeah. No. That <laughs> moment where you are totally okay with where God has you, and you sort of, or you know, it's not even you. You just sort of step out of the way, and mm-hmm. God flows through you, and stuff happens, and you go. Wow, that's about as good as that could possibly be. Mm-hmm. There ain't much better. I don't know what else in life I could want than this. This mm-hmm. thing of I'm just, I'm fully in the moment. I'm fully where God wants me. I said what needed to be said, or I didn't say what shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I just was me mm-hmm. in that moment, and stuff happened. And I go, Whoa. Yeah. And I do think it becomes one of those things that you talk about. Once you can start living in the moment more and more and more, when you're not, you finally become aware that you're not doing it. Like that's almost when you begin to feel thirsty is like a good way of using it. It's like yeah. I'm thirsting for, I want to be back where I was fully aware of God's presence because there are times for all of us that I get out of living in the moment. I start getting fearful of the future or yep. I start feeling guilty about my past or I'm frustrated with this person and I'm just stepping out of this for the moment to try and control them or fix them or to do whatever. And I just start, and it, it's not satisfied. Well, I'm thankful for you two guys learning it earlier because here I am, I'm ahead of you age-wise. And I also am learning this over the last five years or so. And, uh, you know, I fall back into the old, I can now see when I'm out more in retrospect. Mm. I don't, I can't sense it quite yet in the moment because it still feels natural to me to be just Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not me. Not me and God in the moment. God is with me in the moment. He's always been with me in the moment, but he's often been standing beside me going, okay, do whatever you're going to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to still be here. I know what it feels like to be with him, and then I can retrospectively look back now throughout the day and go, missed it, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Well, and I, so. think, I think that that feeling, but honestly, even in that feeling, to me, this this thing, I think it's new to a lot of people. It was cert- it's certainly been new to me, but this feeling of being in the moment, it also frees me of the burden of regret because I always know, well, in this moment, I haven't messed it up. Well, I did mess it up back there, but I haven't messed I'm not messing it up right now. Or which even is, if I did in this moment, I get another grace or I, chance yes. to do it again. And the thing I finally learned about regret and all that is in the moment with Jesus, when I bring Jesus to the moment and I go, okay, I blew it, he goes, yeah. And that's it. That's it. I mean, that's that's it. The he whole, just goes, oh, good, you That's know. the whole thing. You know, okay, you're aware. Let's go on from here. And that's the whole moment. And that's a good moment, too. Mm-hmm. That really is a good moment. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was the well, one. because you're back in the I was the one Jesus. beating myself up about it. Not yes. that the Holy Spirit didn't help me recognize it, but the guilt and shame and all of that, I felt, was not him. Mm-hmm. That, no, you know, no. He's constantly just going... You're out of the flow. Yeah, come You're on. out of the come flow. On come back over here. over here. Come back over here. Because so. yeah. I certainly have all those moments. I have moments where, you know, because I've got young children where I'll realize I'm, I'm in the middle and my wife and I will be together and I'll realize I just am not handling this the way I need to. I'm more aggressive than I need to be or I'm more maybe controlling than I need to be or, you know, I'm just more frustrated by I need to be. And my natural tendency in that moment is to feel so guilty about, oh, God, this, you're such a bad dad. You're such a bad dad. You can't get this right. But then that makes it worse. It that help. never makes it better no, because then I, go, then, I'm, then I just feel bad and I'm living out of that. But lately I have these moments where I just feel God going, okay, but you can get it right now. Yeah. You can get it right now. At Don't any worry. Moment. You can turn that switch at any moment. any moment. And then when you do and you get back aware of it, it's amazing to me now how quick that switch flips for me. I can mm-hmm. now just go, oh, okay, whew, and then just get back into it and do the right thing. 
And there's a, there's a freedom in that of not having to live with the regret. It doesn't mean that you don't confess it to God and no. all those things, but often the confession happens right in the moment for me. I just go, oh, I messed that up, and God's like, good, now let's go forward. That's a big difference between me in my 20s and me now in my 40s is the amount of time that it takes me to apologize. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is thankfully getting shorter and shorter and, and it's still not where it should be, but I'm noticing it and I've, I'm thankful to that and I know my, my family is thankful mm -hmm. for that, my wife especially. I remember days in my, my early uh, on in being married, I never said I was sorry mm. yeah, because to say you were sorry is to admit weakness, right, and to admit or, yeah. frailty, and to you know, and you can't be that because that's that's not who you want to be. And so I gotta I gotta keep figuring out how to make this somebody else's fault, or at least make a good enough excuse where people go, oh well, that yeah. I, oh, it I, makes sense. And, anybody would have done that. You're right, which is ridiculous in in and of itself. But I've, I've hopefully matured to the point where admitting weakness and and admitting wrong is is actually the strongest thing to do because it puts you back yes. into the You're flow. You're in the moment again with yeah. God. And, and it was always true. It was always true. It was always yes. true. And every time you're living outside of reality, yep. you're wasting moments. Wasting time. You're wasting mm -hmm. moments when I live in the rea reality of, you know, I can let them see that I know that I'm wrong, but yeah. I don't have to say I that. Ain't I ain't saying it. You know, I, I had that conversation with somebody today that there are people that ease up on it. They will demonstrate all the behavior of a person who knows they did wrong and they want to make mm -hmm. up with you to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Yeah. Those words are almost impossible to say. And not be afraid that now they won't love me as much or won't respect me as much because I know God already loves me. God, I'm fully in this moment, so I can, like you said, express maybe that weakness or that thing that I'm afraid to say or I'm afraid to do. Or on, on vice versa, my thing is often I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid to confront. But I have become, over the past, I'd say, couple years of my life, I've become more confrontational on things and more speaking truth because my fear is if I, almost the opposite, I probably will apologize too much hmm. Because I'm people pleasing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I'm your like, personality. Type. Right, I'm trying to smooth over things that probably shouldn't be smoothed over. And mm -hmm. now, as I'm living more in the moment, I feel God going, "No, you've got to let either them deal with that, or you've just got to bring it up. They don't even know it. You've got to say it." And as I do, the fear though of, "Well, what if this person now doesn't love me as much?" Yeah. is replaced by, "But I'm in the moment with God where I'm full." And see, for me, because my personality type one on the enneagram, you know, mm -hmm. if you're into that, but the perfectionist is. I can't admit to being wrong because that that puts you in a weak position and it puts you right. in a, you can't be loved because you're not you correct. Didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. And so, and that that has had to be something that I've chipped away at, especially, and I'll just say this, if you're, this is the biggest parenting lesson I ever learned was to be able to apologize to my kids. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard. so hard, but so yet hard. so needed. And I've, I've gotten better at that as well. Not perfect, but better. My time frame is shortening. Um, you know, I remember recently took me maybe a half a day, <laughs> which was way too long. But I went into my daughter's bedroom. I, I got right in front of her and said, your dad was wrong. That, what I just said and the way I just reacted, that, that was not right. And I need your forgiveness for that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward and I, here's what I'm going to do to make that right. And it feels so 
Like if your kid's gonna, you know, ha, see, there, dad's, dad's wrong, and I'm, I'm right, and all this, and you feel like, oh, now they're gonna walk all over me, and mm -hmm. that is not at all it's the exact what happened. Opposite. It was exact opposite. We, our relationship just got so much stronger, and we actually were able to. I can't remember exactly what what we were co having conflict about, but I remember going forward. It got way better, and our relationship got stronger. It was just so just good. Unqualified well, apologies, is yeah, just, for me because I have I screwed the, it up. I also, even though I'm a people pleaser as a parent, it is still hard for me to say it, and but not to qualify it with, I'm really sorry, but yeah, but you if, shouldn't have done that. If you should, because often yeah. what it is, like you say, getting afraid we walked over. They did do something that was inappropriate, absolutely. Or wrong, but then my overreaction was so far that I just need to apologize for my reaction, and I don't need to go. I'll deal with that another time because yeah. they're, you know. At least for mine, they're four, five, seven, eight. Well, and you they're... can't deal with it until you get your crap. Well, and the truth too. is, I I lose my right to confront you on stuff when you cause me to do something. Yeah. If <laughs> I mean honestly, you are going to have to deal with what you did wrong. Yeah. I'm not the one at that point to deal with it. All I got to do is own mine, and <clears throat> when I own mine and then want you to own yours. It does feel like I was setting you up. Yeah. Yes. And so now, I, just, I went first. Now it's your turn. Yeah. And I just have to own. I just a part of me owning my mistake is the consequence of me with this mistake was I don't get to bring yours up. Yeah. Right. That's a part of my consequence. Is Absolutely. I messed it up. Now you got a freebie. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> you're. I mean, it's not free to you because there's still consequences. There's still Every time I screw up, you're unfortunately I'm not going to be able to be the one to help you with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> True. How do we get on that? Okay. I don't know. Good stuff. Though. All good stuff. Hope you love that I don't podcast know. They world. They turned it off so long ago. <laughs> they might do that on us. All right. Uh, anything else from Sunday, Nathan, you wanted to bring up that you uh, didn't get to? No, I don't. Th I just think this is a huge deal on, on, on my heart. I think our, as our world becomes more and more uh, divided, I think the more that final little piece I talked about, I think is a huge part that Jesus really did say that our love for one another. And certainly we have to love everyone, always people outside the church. But there's a huge importance to a lot of the, the love one another commands are written to churches about one another and that we've got to figure this out with one another. Sure. How do I? How do I love people who are different and treat them like brothers and sisters? And the world will then will look at us and say, because right now, if we're honest, a lot of things the world looks at Christians say is, we divide over everything. We're we against do. everything. We're against everyone. Well, and I, I, I'm, I, I don't mind going on the record to say we're aware as a church that we aren't as good. At, we do say love everyone always, but this thing of we look a lot alike, we mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. think a lot alike, it's really not acceptable to me that that's who we are. And mm -hmm. I've sat at the front of this for a while. We want it to be different. Yes. We, yes. So you guys are, I mean, you're going to have to help us at Community Christian. You're going to have to help us by embracing each other and bringing in people and, and saying, hey, we want this to happen. We want this to happen. We want this to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah, that, that, that was really... But it is, okay. it's tough, and, it but we're, we are constantly aware of it. We're praying about it. We're trying to do something about it. Mm -hmm. It's just a challenge. It yes, is. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this coming Sunday, you're going to be back up with us, Ed? I am, and uh, we're talking about to... So, you know, Jesus and the religious leaders butt heads all the time, and Sunday we get to see uh, one of the guys that decides... Uh, Maybe he gets it a little bit. There, there's or he's one, curious. He's at least curious. And I think, and I'm not going to have all the time to talk about this Sunday. I can point out to you, I think by the end of Jesus' time, he gets it. He does. He totally gets it. But uh, this is the first little glimmer that 
all this pounding away that, that we sort of think Jesus is attacking, there's some of the guys that get it. Yep. They get it, and they're at least curious. They do hear what he's saying, and they aren't mad about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. So come Sunday. Yep. You'll hear more about that. Yep. All right, so uh, y'all ready for this top five? I am. I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah, I don't know what it is I don't is know either. if you're ready for this top okay, five. Okay, well. Then we might then be. no. I don't know. I'm no. not ready. Because I, I am bringing Jay, it. Jason's ready, I can tell. I am ready. He's geared I, up. I have had a, a mo way more fun with this one than I thought I would. So uh -oh. last week, if you recall in uh, the podcast, uh, we got into a discussion about hymns. The oh, songs, yeah. songs that we yep. sang, mm -hmm. me and you at least, mm -hmm. me and Ed, as kids, and then you had some questions about how yeah. we sang those. And so I made an offhand flippant comment about maybe I should just talk about that in my top five because there are some really bad lyrics to some old hymns out there. Yeah. All right. So I'm excited about that. I, I did a little bit of a deep dive on the Internet, and I just looked for some really weird, awful, bad Hymns. Hymns, or worship songs that we have sung in our past. Mm. And right. uh, many of, some of these I never even heard of. Okay, so you don't know that, you haven't sung all of these. Not all of no, these. Let's see if I've right. sung these. Some of these, I would say uh, two, uh, two out of the five I, I, you will know. The other three, I'm betting you won't. Okay. But, all right. All right. I'm old. It. I'm old. But they're horrible. All right. They're just awful. Okay, we sing some really bad songs as Christians often. And uh, so I, the first one uh, Ed's going to know because we used to sing this growing up. And I hated it then. I still hate it today. The song is called Bringing in the Sheaves. Bringing in the Sheaves. Remember that one? Bringing in the Sheaves. Yes. We will come rejoicing. Bringing in the Sheaves. That's the whole song. Bringing See? in the Sheaves. That's the whole song. And... Nobody knew what a sheave well, was. Well, I'm trying to figure out myself what's a sheave. We it's don't a, know. It's an agricultural term? Yeah, it's okay, a, that's it what was. I thought. Back in the harvesting time yep. before they mm -hmm. had combines, they would bind up a bunch and they'd put it in there. That's mm -hmm. a sheave. Okay. But, yeah. but, I, I, so I got the basic gist, but I also would understand, I would, I would struggle to understand why I'm bringing one of those I, in. I'm telling you, as a child, when we just sang, we're bringing them in, I'm sitting there going, even if I knew what a sheave was, I don't know why we're bringing them. Why I, am I bringing them? I thought sheep? it was sheets when I was a little ah, kid. Ah, sheets. In the sheets. Yeah. My and kids and in go. Mississippi, that's a whole oh, other thing. I'm just saying. Mm, that is my, not And not a good connotation. Not a no. good not, Ooh, no. Let's, no. Let's not go there. I will say, no, my, my daughters always say uh, bed, they say bed sheets. They say bed sheeps. So bed that's sheep. another thing. Bringing Could be bringing in the, in the sheeps. sheeps. Bringing in, in the, the bed sheeps. sheeps. And see, if we'd have sung bringing in sheep, I might have thought, oh, that has something to do with Jesus because, you know, shepherd and sheep. But. No, it's sheaves, and I still didn't know. So as a child, I just was perplexed by that hymn. So it was bad. Um, now, number four. Uh, that it, was five. That was number five. Number four, uh, this is a shot at a current song that oh. is being sung these days. All right. That, Taking a shot. That I currently don't like. Uh, but we've actually sung it here okay. at Community Ooh. Christian. And some, I'm going to offend some people. It's written by John Martin. No. <laughs> we don't like it. I wouldn't his, do that. His office is right next to John. He could have just had this conversation. I could have. <laughs> I could have. But, um, so it's a current song. We've sung it around here. It, okay. it just has way too many weird metaphors. Yeah, sure. And... Uh, <laughs> And I don't mean to offend those of you who really like this song. I really don't. But enjoy weird metaphors. Someone came to Jesus during this song. You're about to take it away I'm from I'm sure the they did, but I don't they mean I got to like it. They did. bringing in the sheaves, too. <laughs> yeah, they, no, did. they did. They came to Jesus. On the so it's that, it's that song we've sang. It's called How He Loves. 
Uh, but I know oh, what song words are. I, yeah, I, know, I know the words. It's the one that talks about sloppy wet kiss. A, well, that was <laughs> that's the big one. But it talks about hurricanes and a tree, and I'm bending over, yeah. and I'm drowning. There's a lot of metaphor in, in an ocean mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then and see that if if you heard it on the radio or if you heard us sing it, you didn't hear it. But the original line in the song is there's a line that goes, "Heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss." Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this. Remember the first time we heard I that song? I do remember the first time. We're we sitting did. at a conference for pastors, and they're leading worship, and we're all, you know, and it's the whole staff. We're on this, you know, conference retreat kind of thing, and we're singing. And I'm like, "Oh, this song is okay." I'm I'm trying to figure out all the metaphors, but okay, it's a really good song. And then all of a sudden, the girl sings. Heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And I remember all of us turned and looked at each other and went, what did she just say? It was so shocking for us to hear a worship leader say those words. And 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 to prove how bad it is, when David Crowder got a hold of it and made it popular, he changed the lyrics to an unforeseen kiss. Unforeseen. Which ain't much better. Well, it does sound like a Me Too movement. It does. It sounds like a little bit of a Me Too I wasn't seeing this kiss coming, (laughs) so maybe I didn't want it. I didn't want that. So I I apologize if you like that song because it's a real emotional song, but, man, it's just hard for me to get over all the metaphors. That's just Okay. I like it. I'm agreeing with you. You agree with that one? I do agree with you. All right, so the rest of these are the hymns. It's been a long time since we've done that one. It has. For a reason. Good. Um, these I had never heard of before, but when I read the lyrics, I went, oh my gosh, did somebody actually sing this in church sometime? Okay, the number three one, which I've never heard before, the title of the song is, Ah, Lovely Appearance of Death. <laughs> That's also a metal song. <laughs> well, I thought that too. should have been metal song. I thought that, that too. In the metal band goes, Actually, just wait for number two. Um, But I'm going to read some of the lyrics to Lovely Appearance of Death. Now, here's the lyrics. Ah, lovely appearance of death, no sight upon earth is so fair. Not all the gay pageants that breathe can with a dead body compare. Oh, my gosh. With solemn delight, I survey the corpse (laughs) when the spirit is fled. In love with the beautiful clay and longing to lie in his stead. Oh, all right, that reminds me, and you and I will know this, of the funeral. Well, I was going to tell you that. Where the, where the guy is talking and he goes. I and was that, at this funeral. We stand by the, the carcass. The carcass. I'm thinking, that's a, that's a human being. This there. happened at like an uncle of mine's uh, funeral. <laughs> the carcass. The pastor actually referred the entire service to the carcass before us. And oh I thought, are you, are you, did you? <laughs> I got no words, man. But basically, this song is saying it's basically looking at a dead body and wishing I was him. Well, and there you go. I get where that might be. You know, I get what they're get saying. It. You know, but still, I don't know if that's. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's you got not some. A, not a very joyful Sunday morning song. Not it. Not at all. I'd like to hear that song done by Mumford and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nice folky kind of feel to it. A folky feel to that. All right, so number two uh, is also in that same vein. It could have been a metal song. Uh, In fact, I think these lyrics ought to be read like a creature in a horror film. Um, (laughs) The name of the song is Thou Art Passing Away. Thou Art Passing Away. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like something you would hear. Now, here are the lyrics. Thou Art Passing Away. Thy life has been brief as a midsummer day. Thy forehead is pale, and thy pulses are low, and thy once blooming cheek bears an ominous glow. Thou art passing away from thy kindred and friends, and the last chain that bound thee, the spoiler now rends. 
And thy last tones are falling on love's listening ear, and now in thine eye shines the fond parting tear. Wow. wow. Isn't a midsummer day long? <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought summer, the daytime is longer. What, what was yeah. the line? The, the it's as brief like as a midsummer? midsummer's day. That just doesn't make no sense. Because it's it's winter that the day is yeah, shorter. Midsummer. Yeah, midsummer would be midsummer long. It just I don't nope, discount that whole song. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but still it was in Somebody the, sang that. It was in Somebody some old it. hymnal somewhere. Somebody sang it. Somebody yeah. somewhere. So all right, this one. Uh, just the title, you're not going to believe, ever existed in a hymn book. Because it's, I'm, I'm just going to read it. This is the title of this song. Blessed is the man whose bowels move. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. Now, well, and not incorrect. If, if they're not stop, moving, stop, it's not a, it's not stop, a good thing. stop. Okay. Number one. <laughs> we want to just move on. How is that? That is number one. That's the number one oh, song. Oh, thank goodness. I thought surely there's not one. Oh, it don't get no worse than that, Ed. <laughs> Can it get any worse than that? Now, all right. It doesn't mean... I'd just like to apologize about Matt, the elders of Community Christian Church for this particular... But he, let me read the lyrics. Let me read the lyrics because and there's, there's a reason they use the... It's basically old words I that, that we, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed is the man whose bowels move and melt with pity to the poor. Melt? Whose soul by sympathizing love feels what his fellow saints endure. His heart wow. contrives for their relief more good than his own hands can do. He in the time of general grief shall find the Lord has bowels too. He felt too. it. He and felt it yes. in his gut. He, he felt, felt it in his gut. gut and see, that's the thing. Is that, that Greek word compassion yeah. that we yeah. often say right. means that my, my guts were moved. <laughs> and so this songwriter took the literal meaning of compassion and yes. spelled it out in English but it didn't translate over He's the years. He's one of those guys that goes, I hate when they translate words and they yes. don't do it. I'm just going to translate I'm gonna it. I'm going to do it justice. People will get it. <laughs> so, you know, it's about having compassion and moving towards people, which I'm all for. Just don't say it like bowel moving. <laughs> That's not what we want, you know? Hey, it's so been great to be having on this podcast. <laughs> Today is the final. Did I ruin it? I'm okay. sorry. Well, I couldn't resist. Nice we a... keep threatening that every week. <laughs> it never happens, though. So there's my top five All worst right. hymns. I may never be back, y'all. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> wait till next week. You'll, you'll, love, you'll want to tune in next week. I, just right. trust me. Come back next week and uh, see what happens. I may not be back. See what happens. So I hope y'all have a great week. We will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.